0: Just to recap, we've been in the book of Revelation. John has received this revelation. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ given to an angel, to John, to write down. Key verse that we talked about, it was in chapter 1, verse 19. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. And um, I said I really believe that this is the key to the book of Revelation. Write the things that you've seen. That was everything in chapter 1 prior to being told this, the things that are. That's what we're looking at right now in these letters to the seven churches in Asia. That will be chapters 2 and 3. And the things that are to take place starting at chapter 4. So as we've been going through this, we've arrived at this letter to the seven churches in Asia. And I have a map here of the seven churches. There's Ephesus in the bottom We, we talked about last week. And remember, we're looking at what the church should look like. What are the the key, what what, 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 uh, traditions should the church actually hold? The first one is love the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we say church, remember we're talking about you the believer, those sanctified in Christ Jesus. So the first one is love the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what Ephesus was challenged on. They were doing all sorts of great works. Their theology was solid, but they had lost their first love. It became about doing. And so we saw the church in Ephesus was um, challenged to love the Lord Jesus, their first love, and put him as a priority. Uh, That that was what they had lost. Now we're going up to Smyrna. But you can see from Smyrna to Pergamum to Thyatira to Sardis down to Philadelphia. And then finally Laodicea is where we're going. Smyrna... Up there in the left, right above Ephesus, is what we call modern-day Izmir in Turkey. So if you can look up Izmir and see what Smyrna looks like today. Um, but that city is still there. Ephesus has long been, uh, been destroyed. It's no longer there. Of course, Ephesus is one of the homes of the ancient seven wonders of the world, the temple to Diana or Artemis. Um, and uh, that, that, that is now in ruins. So, so let's get into the, the word now in chapter 2, verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The words of the first and the last, who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but they are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation." Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Amazing that this little letter to the church in Smyrna, there's, there's nothing to correct in Smyrna. In fact, it's just a little letter of encouragement. It's short. It's the shortest of all the letters to the seven churches. And amazing that Jesus doesn't say, don't worry, I'm coming to your aid. Don't worry, I'm gonna put your persecutors to shame. In fact, the persecution hasn't really started. It's just, just starting to ramp up for the church in Smyrna because Jesus is actually warning them about what's to come in the future. He's telling them that, hey, this is coming. Be ready for this, this persecution. And you know, I found that when people are suffering, when grief is abundant, words should be few. That's just the way it is. When and, and those of you that have some life experience, you know that sometimes just a few words of encouragement is really all somebody needs when they're in the midst of suffering or grief. And Jesus here gives them very few words. Very few words. The first one is: I know your tribulation and your poverty, yet you are rich. Tribulation and poverty. This little church is going through so much tribulation. Just to give you some background on the church in Smyrna. The word Smyrna means actually myrrh. And it's that fragrance that's often used for embalming. It was a perfume. And uh, the way you get the fragrance, you crush it. And that fragrance comes out. Those oils come out. And, and, uh, And so Smyrna was a major trade center for this fragrance, myrrh. So they just named it myrrh. But, of course, in, in the Greek, though, we have Smyrna. Smyrna was the one of the first cities in Asia to begin Roman worship, the cult of Roman worship. They built the first temple to the Roman goddess, um, Roma, to start worshiping Rome. That was their first, the first temple they built in Smyrna was to worship Rome. Then, a few years later, uh, they were, uh, Caesar was trying to decide between, Caesar Tiberius was trying to decide between 15 cities in Asia. They'd all put in applications for who got to build a temple to him, to the Caesar. Smyrna was the one who was awarded as the faithful city, and they got to build a temple to Caesar. What did you do at the temple of Caesar? Well, you went and you worshipped Caesar. It was a very pagan city, uh, very steeped in idolatry and worship of false gods do you know what they they referred to the Christians as atheist that's kind of a strange idea for us that Christians would be refer, referred to as atheists because when you and I think the term atheist we think of someone who rejects God someone who says there is no God atheism and uh, but but in in Smyrna in the church the The first century here when this letter is being given, the church, the Christians were considered atheists because they rejected all these gods. They rejected temple worship. In fact, it got so bad that they were losing their jobs and their work. We read uh, extra biblical historical accounts of them not being able to work because everything in all the trades had to do with some sort of idolatry and worship. If you wanted to work on ships, well, you first got to go on your way into work. Go make sure you give your offering to the God so that you can go work. If you want to work in politics, go give your offering to Caesar. Whatever you want to work, you've got to be part of some idolatry or cult worship. Christians couldn't do it. They couldn't worship another God because they knew the Lord Jesus Christ. So they're losing their jobs and Jesus says, I know you're poor. I know you're poor, but you're rich. You're really rich. You know, sometimes we can't really see how rich we are in Christ. Sometimes uh, I, I believe that Christians don't truly experience the riches of Jesus Christ. Because we're carnal sometimes. We're choosing to follow the world and try to have friendship with the world. And also try to throw some God in there too. And we never fully get to experience the riches of Christ. It's Christ in the life, but not Lord of the life. If you want to experience the riches of God's grace and his mercy, let Christ be Lord of your life. Submit to him. Whoa, okay, I came back. (laughs) Surprise. Take an account. Lord, is there a wicked way in my life? Is there something that needs to be changed? You know, I I was talking to somebody recently um, at the street fair, and we were just talking about how, As you become a Christian and as you grow in maturity, you find it harder and harder to reconcile the things of this world and the things that the world does with your faith. You start to pull away more and more and more. Because Christ is transforming you. And you start to experience the riches of his grace. You are rich. How are they rich? Well, they know the Lord Jesus Christ. This life they may be suffering, but... In the next, they're going to receive a wonderful reward. They have peace with God and a relationship with God. They considered it well worth the suffering. Notice that this church doesn't have the same problem that Ephesus has. This church is suffering so much, but they're not struggling with loving Christ. Isn't that amazing? You would think that this church would be the one, man, Lord, we've been praying. Lord, we've been faithful to you. How come we're suffering? How come we're poor? How come we're being rejected? Don't, don't you owe us that, God? But that's not, not what's happening. They love the Lord. And Jesus recognizes that love. He recognized the riches that they have in Jesus Christ. And by the way, if you just want to, sometime if you want to take an account of the riches that you have in Jesus Christ, let me encourage you to go read Ephesians chapter 1. Just read Ephesians chapter 1, and you will see Paul list out just a long, long, well, it's, it's uh, like three paragraphs or whatever, but it's one sentence in, in Paul's writing. And uh, one run-on sentence of all the riches we have in Jesus Christ. You and I have been blessed immensely from the heavenlies through Jesus Christ. And Paul lets him know, you are rich, or sorry, Jesus lets him know that I know your tribulation, I know your suffering, I know your poverty, you are rich, and the slander of those who say they are Jews but are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. This is not an anti Semitic verse. I want to make sure we point that, point that out. It's not saying that the Jews are a synagogue of Satan, it's talking about the religion and the establishment is a synagogue of Satan. The Jews in the synagogue, we're meeting Christianity with hatred and with violence. In fact, we read about Polycarp, who is a bi- becomes a bishop of Smyrna. Polycarp, by the way, is one of John's disciple, the Apostle John. Polycarp is martyred around 150, 156 A.D. And, and in that martyrdom, when they burned Polycarp alive, on the Sabbath, it says that the Jews were gathering the bundles of wood to put on, uh, on, onto the fire. So we saw this hatred, and, and Jesus is saying this establishment of religion, they're saying, hey, we're doing this on God's behalf. God wants us to do this. We're, we're, we're fighting for God, and, and Jesus is saying, no way. These guys are a synagogue of Satan. They are an enemy to the cross, uh, and uh, they are not at all doing it for me. So Jesus says, I know they're slander. Man, I think Christians, especially today, can identify with slander, can't we? Man, have you guys been following the news lately, or this last year, actually the last two years, about what's been going on in our own country? Not trying to get political at all, but I think it's pertinent to the message today that you be aware, Christian, about what is coming. We are standing on the precipice looking over into persecution. I'm telling you that right now. You Christians will have to make a lot of decisions in the years to come about how you will stand for Christ. You're going to have to. Those of you in high school, you're going to be challenged like crazy about whether or not you're going to stand for Christ or agree with the world. Those in elected uh, offices like Kim Davis there in in, um, Kentucky. You know, the interesting thing about that, I was reading more about Kim Davis's story county clerk if you're not up on the news. She's a county clerk in Kentucky who refused to issue same-sex marriage licenses. And um, the reason for her refusal was her name has to be on it and she has to sign it. And she said, I'm a Christian and I cannot in good conscience sign this and support it. She actually asked that her name would be removed from the marriage certificates. Listen, I'll, I'll I'm not saying you can't have a marriage license. I'm just saying I want my name removed from it so that I'm not supporting it. James 5.16, anyone who knows the good they ought to do and does not do it sins, right? She knew that I cannot support this because the Lord says it's wrong. I can't support it. I'm not saying I don't want to let you get married. You can do whatever you want, but I cannot support it. So there she is asking for her name to be removed. They say no, no way. So she says she won't resign, nor should she resign. So right now she's sitting in jail. ABC News had the statement Kim Davis owns the keys to her own jail cell, or holds the keys to her own jail cell. Can you believe that's actually happening in our country? Do this or else. Uh, what's stopping us from just torturing people until they confess something? Stay in jail until, you, if, if you just say, uncle, if you submit, if you tell us that, that okay, I'll, I'll get in line, you can come out of jail. I don't know if this has ever happened in the history of, oh, wait, it did happen in the history of America, uh, the Civil Rights Movement, that's right. And it's amazing because The opposition to this is terrified that she's going to be turned into a martyr. So they've already started the campaign against us, against her. Kim Davis is not Rosa Parks. She's not the one in the back of the bus. She is the bus driver. She belongs to be in jail. It's it's so terrible that she's being put in this position. I, I put this up on Facebook. What a mess. And automatically people were interpreting it as... I was specifically speaking about same-sex marriage. And although we don't agree with it because the Bible doesn't agree with it, I wasn't talking about same-sex marriage. I was talking about the mess that we're in as a country when people are persecuted for their religion or their faith. What we're telling our country is that your faith has to be submitted to the government. Or we're saying people of faith cannot be in government. We're getting into a big mess here in our country. And by the way, I believe that this is more than just liberty for the few. I believe this is an actual plan of Satan to try to silence the church. And I wonder, will you be silenced? Will you allow yourself to be silenced? Is your job, your livelihood more important than your faith in Christ Jesus? For Smyrna... Their faith was more important. And Jesus tells them, do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for 10 days you will have tribulation. Interesting that Jesus says, hey, I already recognize that you guys, I mean, I take it as they're already suffering. They already can't get jobs. They're already (laughs) below the poverty line, so to speak, in Smyrna. They're already suffering for their faith. And Jesus is telling them, don't be afraid about what you're, what you're about to suffer. It's going to get worse. I was thinking about this. If, <laughs> if I was in a church and I go to a Sunday morning worship, and, you know, you, you're at the church of Ephesus, and you get this letter, and you're like, okay, guys, we got to step it up. we got to, we got to start loving Jesus more. Right, let's, let's step it up. Let's, let's cancel worship service. Let's have a prayer service. And let, let's cancel the doing and the works and all those things for, for for a couple weeks. And let's just really focus on loving Jesus. All right, let's do that. Church, yeah, let's respond that way. But sitting in the church in Smyrna, hey guys, we got this letter from the Apostle John. And here's the letter to, from Jesus Christ to us. I know, I know your trials and your tribulation. Don't be afraid about what you're about to suffer. Oh, boy, it's going to get worse. Here it comes. It's going to get worse. And it does get worse for Smyrna. It absolutely does get worse. But notice, and he says for 10 days, listen, uh, some have speculated this, this is about the 10 Caesars to come. Um, we really don't know. I, I think more than anything what we can say is it's for a time. It's for a brief time. Uh, I, I did a lot of research on 10 days. And there's not much other than a brief time. That's, that's what we know. So, but, but here's what I think about this for 10 days. You, be, you may be tested, uh, that you may be tested, and for 10 days you will have tribulation. Here's what I think it is. The Lord knows the end from the beginning. Remember the very beginning, it says, to the angel in the church of Smyrna, write the words of the first and the last, the eternal God. He knows the length, the time of suffering, and I'll tell you right now, it makes all the difference in the world knowing that there's an end in sight. It makes all the difference in the world. We went backpacking this summer, and uh, we stayed a night at Lake Sabrina and then started hiking up to Lake Blue Lake. And it's not a long hike. It's only three and a half miles. But, but we start at uh, 9,000 feet, and we hike up to 10,500 feet. And from being at sea level, when you start to make that hike, you realize I can't breathe. This is hard to breathe. So I take 10 steps, and I'm like, you know, trying to breathe. And, um, and, and it, was, it was a tough hike up. It took us some time. And I, I know some people were like, oh, my goodness, can I do this? But, of course, once you start, there's no going back. you got to finish. And I'll tell you, knowing that there's an end, knowing that every step you take is one step closer to the end. In fact, as soon as we start in the trail, I'm, I'm kind of known for saying, hey, we're almost there. Let's go. <laughs> you know, kids are like, what? <laughs> we just started. I'm like, yeah, but we're a lot closer than when we, when we left, right? So I'm glasses half full guys. Uh, but, but knowing that there's an end in sight makes all the difference in the world. Knowing that trial will come to an end. In fact, knowing that the injustice of the world, the sin of this world, will eventually be brought to an end and brought to judgment, makes all the difference for the person in suffering. makes all the difference. When you're being sinned against or suffering, and you say, "Lord, what's going on here?" How do I deal with this suffering knowing that, hey, you know what? One day I'm going to make all this right. It makes a huge difference for us. It, it makes us go, okay, I, I can hang in there. Not like a cat hanging off a cliff. Okay, from the poster. But no, I, I, can do, I can hang in there. I can trust in the Lord. We can get through this. So I, I really think that the 10 days, I, maybe the church in Smyrna had a better idea of what this meant at the time. I don't know. But, but what I would say as far as applying it is Jesus knows our suffering. He knows the beginning and he knows the end. And anybody who's suffered a lot knows looking back, man, that was tough. But I'm sure glad it's over. Man, that was tough. But somehow when we come out of the pain, we feel a little bit more victorious. And uh, I, I know that's what, how it was for everything I've ever suffered. I, knowing that, hey, there's an end in sight. We're going to get through this. Jesus knows that in. You'll be tested. You'll have tribulation. Be faithful unto death. And I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful unto death. Wait a minute. Whoa, let's back up. Hey, okay, hold on, pastor. Can you stop reading that? Um, did you say unto death? You're going to be tested. But be faithful unto death. Wait a minute. That means some of us aren't going to make it out of this. Yep, that's right. But look at what you're going to win, the crown of life. You're going to overcome. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. The word conquer, we've talked about that when we were t- going through First John. It's Nikon. We, we, the uh, Greek god was named after that word. The Greek goddess, I mean, uh, Nike, which uh, means victory. And uh, it's the goddess of victory. And the idea there is that when you're in a race... You're victorious. There's no difference. The one who conquers, the one who is victorious over what? Over the circumstances. Faithful to Christ, the one who endures. The church should endure for the Lord Jesus Christ. The church should endure hardship for the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I want to spell that out for you because a lot of times we don't associate the word endure and hardship, and it's really important. If you have to use the word endure, that means you're suffering. That's just what it means. It means that things aren't going well. I read this book, uh, Tortured for Christ, years ago. It's by Richard Wurmbrand. And R- Richard Wurmbrand is one of the key people who was a part of starting Voice of the Martyrs ministry, uh, if you've ever received their publications. But it's all about those who have been tortured for Jesus Christ those who have been persecuted, martyred, and uh, their publication is free. You can go online, sign up for it, and they'll send, start sending you magazines and, and uh, telling you all about what's happening in the world. and And uh, Richard Wormbrand, amazingly, he was arrested by the communists for preaching Christ, and he recounts what they would do to him. They would they would put him in a really hot room. And, and until he was just, I mean, so dehydrated, they would take him and then put him in a freezing cold uh, room and then just keep going back and forth doing that, keeping him awake. They, put him, they would lock him in a box with spikes into it so no matter which way he would move, he would be stabbed. Just terrible tortures. And it was all for one purpose, deny Jesus Christ. That's what they told Polycarp. In fact, when Polycarp was at the stake and his famous response was, why would I deny the one who's been faithful to me for 56 years, or 86 years. I can't deny that king. Uh, and I'm summarizing what Polycarp said. But always to deny Jesus Christ was, is the goal. And Jesus is saying, be faithful, hang in there. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11 with me real fast. Hebrews chapter 11. Sorry, I lost the book of Hebrews. There we go. Hebrews chapter 11, and then just go down to verse 38. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, we're going to go up to uh, 35. Thanks. 35 says this. Uh, we're going to start at part B there. Uh, some were tortured. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. This is talking about Old Testament saints. It's talking about those who chose to follow God in the Old Testament. And of course we have Abraham, we have Noah, we have Samson in this list. This is a long list of people who responded to God in faith. Yet we have this list summarized at the end of those who were tortured, who wandered about without homes, who hid in caves, who were destitute, afflicted, and mistreated for the sake of God's glory. Did you realize, dear Christian, that when you committed your life to Jesus Christ, when you said, I'm ready to follow you, Christ, that He may use you for His glory? And that could be, hey, He may bless you, you may have wealth to use for his kingdom and his glory, or you may have sufferings. You may have great strength in trials, or you may be really weak in trials. But you will be used for his glory. And notice what they were promised. They did this for a promise they had not yet received, talking about Jesus Christ, and us also being made perfect through Jesus Christ. And, of course, in Revelation, they're promised the crown of life, victory, victory victory and that reception of the crown of life, and also not to suffer the second death. Two deaths and two resurrections in Scripture. We're going to see this as we get in Revelation. The first resurrection is the resurrection of the saints. Okay? We're going to see that happening, and and I I believe that it happens multiple times throughout uh, the book of Revelation. The, The rapture of his church and also at the end of the tribulation period, you're going to have resurrection of the saints. then, You have a resurrection, the second resurrection, which is the resurrection of the dead to judgment. So, those who have died and rejected the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're resurrected to judgment. That's the second death. They'll be judged and thrown into the burning lake of fire. That's the second death. Those who have died on this life and have trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, they will not suffer the second death. We will be resurrected. Be like him, having that new body. And we're going to rule with him. We're going to sit with him. We're going to be with him. And, of course, the new heavens, the new earth, God's dwelling is with men. It's going to be awesome. So be faithful unto death. Here's my charge to you. Jesus told the disciples, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Okay? I'm, I'm sending you out. Therefore, be wise as serpents but gentle as doves you gotta be, You got to recognize that you're going out there in a world that's going to hate you. And I, I think the church has gotten a little lax. We've, we've gotten to this point where, hey, we, we want to be really attractive. So we go out into the world and we say, hey, we're just like you, except we believe in Jesus. I, I want to challenge you to rethink that idea. We're not just like the world. We're called out from the world. We're set apart from the world. Maybe the problem is you just don't know Jesus that well. And I want to encourage you to start getting to know him through the word. But don't be lax about this because the fact is is persecution is coming. My wife is a high school teacher and I believe that there are some things coming that who knows what will happen. We'll see how long she gets to be a high school teacher. We'll see how long churches get to meet in buildings like this. And you guys might think, well, Dave, you're kind of paranoid. Well, I, I read the end of the book. I know it's going to happen. <laughs> so it's not, I'm really not paranoid. <laughs> I know it's going to happen. Uh, and, and I guarantee it will happen. We're starting to see it happen. We, we saw a florist in Washington be arrest, uh, arrested and the, eight, the attorney general of Washington going after all of her possessions, all of her wealth, for saying, I, I can't do a same-sex wedding. We, we saw a photographer in New Mexico also be charged because she wouldn't do uh, photograph of a same-sex wedding. This stuff is happening. We saw a baker in Oregon be charged. It's just going to continue happening. What's going to happen when we start saying, uh, you know, when the first trials come up about the transgender thing in, in the bathroom and whatnot? It, trust me, you're not loved by the world. You're loved by Jesus Christ, kept by him. Just stop feeling like you got to be friends with the world. Love the people of the world. Be faithful to the gospel to the people of the world, but quit trying to be like the world. It's just never, you're never going to reconcile the two. And here's Smyrna, they've loved the Lord Jesus Christ more than anything. They're unwavering in their love. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. That promise is just for us too. You got ears to hear? Do you? If you do, trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Recognize that you're going to have to be wise. You're going to have to navigate and negotiate the current climate. But trust the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray for those who have Endured persecution and suffered throughout this world. We thank you for their testimony, their witness. And God, how dare us think that we're we can do things differently and not be persecuted. Lord, I think we've been living off the work of missionaries from hundreds of years ago. Lord, we've been lazy with your gospel. We've allowed evil things to happen in, in these. This country. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us not to be afraid of what people think, but be willing to share the love and the reconciliation that you offer on that cross. Bless each and everyone in here and be with Pastor Saji and his family. Protect them. Lord, I know that they wouldn't ask for uh, prayers of protection, but we just pray for them and their churches, Lord, that you would use them for your great glory and purposes and that the gospel would continue to spread in that country, Nepal, and also for Mr. Christos in and India and, and Apollos and all your saints around the world, Lord. We pray that you'd use them greatly. Use us, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.